So basically, um, we're going to go through the book of Luke chapter 1 today. In, in, in the spirit of, I guess, the holidays, um, you know, we talk about the birth of Jesus and right. the reason for the season and all that stuff, right? But this is um, cool because I think when we read the scriptures, um, we make a lot of references indirectly about certain authors and what they're doing and what's happening all the time and so some of this stuff you guys will be like oh we heard that but it's always cool to go back and see um some of the things that we've talked about actually written in scripture so i want to kind of break down i'm starting from the beginning and we'll we'll start from the top it's if you just follow the the pages is luke was called the physician or the beloved physician so he was the beloved physician um, understanding he's a doctor okay Luke is Greek he's also known as Luke the evangelist he traveled with Paul in many different areas and so um, Luke was Greek he was not Jew he's the only gospel writer that's not Jewish every other writer is Jewish okay so this is very unique and he writes two books he doesn't only write the book of Luke the Gospel of Luke. He also writes the Book of Acts. Luke two. So, which some people have called, you know, Luke two, but um, it's a completely different kind of book. You'll notice that it's so detailed. Is it like in the Book of Luke, you'll see stuff like, and the the man with the withered hand. He'll he'll state that it's his right hand, versus saying just the hand. So you can tell the detail that Luke has just by his writings are so so. Uh, it's so. Uh, meticulous and, and, and there's going to be a lot of cool things we're going to be able to see so um, who wrote it the book of Luke Luke right um, why is it written we want to find that out um, does it have divine authority right since he's a Gentile in in what relation and he didn't meet Jesus he wasn't an eyewitness of Jesus we obviously know he grew up in the in a time where Jesus was alive so he was alive when Jesus was alive but to become a doctor and as educated as he was he wasn't in the presence or around anything concerning Jesus right so he was he was probably converted through Paul or captivated by Paul by going to the the different regions but um we have to understand that Luke never met Jesus so this book is even more of a of a profound book because for someone to write all these details in, in, in such a, a, a confirming way to the rest of scripture is like, whoa, like this guy must have put in a lot of work, a lot of time and a lot of energy to even come up with this stuff. There's no way. It's, it's the, the one who knew, the, the only the disciple who knew him the least, okay, who didn't meet him, wrote about him in the most detail. So think about that. So it's like God to do stuff like that, right? It's, it's for someone to never have met Jesus. But to almost write about Jesus as a man, you'll see him use the term son of man most often in the book of Luke. It's referenced more in the book of Luke than any, than any other book. Like, for example, the, the gospel of uh, Matthew, you'll see like terms like the kingdom of heaven, right? Matthew's written from a Jew to the Jews. Heavily written from a Jew to the Jews. Then you'll see John, he uses um, son of God, which is referencing that God in the flesh, the divine, the divine nature of Jesus, you know? Right. And you'll have Mark. Mark is actually a, a, 
a disciple who followed Paul around, but he actually um, kind of turned his back on Paul. He got scared and ran away from Paul. He was one of the servants who basically ran away from his duty and then ended up coming back. And Paul didn't want him back, but then Paul ended up taking him back. You know, so he, he got restored. And so there's so much to that. There's so much to that story, but it ends up being a, um, this book ends up being something very, very detailed, complete, and we'll read what it says about itself, okay? So it says in verse one, for as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration. So there's an order of a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. So just starting off that first sentence, there's going to be an order in which things are declared, okay, that are most commonly believed, most surely believed. Out of all things, they're the most surely believed. Surely meaning with certainty, okay. So he's not just writing about what he wants to write. He did a consensus and create and found a common denominator in as much details about Jesus that he could. So we're we're understanding it's implying that he did research. Right. Okay. He did tons of research. He did tons of listening, hearing the testimonies of disciples. And then he says because he says here, believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us. Who's them? It's the people that he was talking to. Mm-hmm which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. So here's a listing of the people. Some are eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So he's talking about the apostles and he's talking about many other eyewitnesses, people who can testify to who Jesus is. Right. Okay. So you'll see him establishing here that he literally went around with the apostles. He went to the, to the disciples. He went to all the, all the people that could possibly have known something about this Jesus. Right. So then verse 3, it seems good to me also, having had perfect understanding, and the word perfect here is kind of like um, a little misleading, but it's more of a complete understanding. Perfect can be interchanged with the word complete. A complete understanding of all the things from the very first. So we know he's going to go from start to finish. Right. Okay. From the beginning of... What are the Gospels for? Well, we've learned the Gospels are for announcing Jesus, right? Teaching us about Jesus, helping us to understand Jesus. And here's the key. Most modern psychology is going to tell you in order to deal with yourself, you must learn more about yourself. Right. Right? Or you must look at yourself. You're not going to hear this anywhere else, but in order to deal with yourself according to the Gospel, according to the Bible, is to find Jesus. Is to see the perfect man. Is to see this man, Jesus. And as you see him, as we read in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, as you see him, as you behold him, you become transformed right. into that same image. Right. So it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a most divine thing that happens. So the purpose of us going in here is to really see Jesus. Right? Now, that thou mightest know... Sorry, sorry, verse 3. Perfect understanding... To write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. So he's writing. So now, who is he writing to? Here's the, here's the the most unique thing about the book of Luke. It's the only book that addresses, that's written in gospel format, that addresses a Gentile. 
Theo means God in Greek. So beyond a shadow of a doubt, this is a Greek man. Right. Okay, no matter, most people are going to say this or that, but this is a Greek man. So we understand it. This is what Luke is doing. He's writing about Jesus. Okay? He's writing about Jesus to a Gentile. So this, this book actually has the most benefit to all non-Jews to help educate us about Jesus. Think about that for a minute. He's, he's taking this and he's saying, I'm writing this to Theophilus. So he's, he's taking a person who may not understand anything about Jesus, Moses, or his laws, or, or anything like that, and he's really going to give them a full picture. This is why he's so detailed. Right. Right? So this this book is really, okay, when it does the genealogy, it does it from Adam. It's the only book that does it from Adam. It's to represent the manhood of Jesus. That Jesus was a man. It really depicts his humanity. If you go to um, uh, Matthew, it's the other book that has the genealogy. Where does it start? Abraham. Uh-huh. It starts with Ab- it doesn't start with Adam. It starts well, it with Abraham. It's to the Jews. Because it's to the Jews. So this is really one of the gospels. This is what I'm telling you. Because we've talked about the gospels aren't written to the church, right? This is the one gospel that creates an exception in its own writing. Okay. And this you can't always say this in every conversation, but since we're on the book, we get to discern right now that the book of Luke is actually primarily written about Jesus to the Gentiles for the benefit of the Gentiles so when we read when we read when we read parables right when we're reading parables and we're reading um, all these things we understand that they have in the book of Luke a more significant application to the Gentiles than they would in any other gospel does that make sense? yes okay so he says, um, the- Theophilus is also a, a beloved of God. It can also be translated to beloved of God. Most excellent. And some say he was like a commander, a Roman, a, a Roman chief, but some say he wasn't. So because he doesn't, when he says Theophilus in the book of Acts, he doesn't say, oh, excellent. He just says, oh, Theophilus. Right. So he addresses him normal. And here he addresses him a little more superior. So it's kind of like, we don't know. We don't want to assume. But verse 4 that thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed and here's the thing it's certainty it's claiming certainty it's claiming certainty each book at the beginning of each book like you read uh, um, what's the book Ecclesiastes right why do we call it the book of vanity because it's uh, vanity vanities right it starts off with, with speaking of vanities if you read, what's another book? Um, Matthew. You constantly see Kingdom of Heaven, right? It's, it's really a gospel book about Jesus in the Kingdom of Heaven for the Jews. So I think as you continue to read these verses and you, you see how it orchestrates things, there's an order, um, there's a certainty, um, a common denominator of things believed among us this really is a book about testimony of who Jesus is in completeness it's a complete understanding of who Jesus is as if you 
don't know anything about where he's from. It wants to give you a basic, um, detailed understanding so that you, if you didn't know about Judaism, you could understand who Jesus is. Now, so verse 5, we'll kind of read through some of this and um, just to kind of work through it because it's, it's, the, it's the longest chapter, one of, the, one of the longest chapters in the Bible. And if we don't get through the whole thing today, that's fine. But I think there's going to be a lot. We'll read most of it a lot faster. Verse 5. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias, of the course of Abbi, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Okay. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child, because that Elizabeth was barren. They were both, both were, were now well stricken in years, and it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense. And when he went into the temple of the Lord, and the whole multitude of people were praying without at the time of incense, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. So we'll stop there for a minute. So here, here, here comes something interesting. So we know that Zacharias is not a high priest. Okay? But there was an alternating priesthood. What, what this means is that different priests would come in and do different services as they were called upon so they would be called upon so you can see he's married right high priest wouldn't be married he's a priest he's not a high priest okay, he's a priest so he, he's called upon for service he comes to burn the incense you can see that in the book of luke the connection to the old testament is what priesthood so there's a strong mentioning of the priesthood here in play. You get to see a story about someone in the priesthood doing something that was a part of the priesthood. So he, would, he literally would, this is his job. His job is to go in there, right? If he receives anything from the Lord, to come out, to speak the words, the blessings upon the people. What does a priest do? A, pr a, pr a prophet represents God to man. Okay, that's what a prophet does. But a priest represents who? The people to God. Okay, so he stands on behalf of the people. And we have to understand this as we, as we read. So, they were both righteous and were blameless. Okay, we know that they're not sinless, but they're blameless to God. And this is where it's interesting because you'll read later on that the angel says to call him John. And you'll read later on that it says when they actually name him John, the people are surprised because it's not a name of the house. So they name him outside of his inheritance. They name him outside of his lineage. They bring a random name because it was given by God. So here is the best of men, right? You would understand to be the best of men, giving birth to what would be the least of men. What did, what did John say about himself? That I... The least. Yeah, that he might increase so this is the best of the best of the house of Israel giving birth to what would be the least 
become the least of men. Now, this is going to be important because you have it in reverse with Mary and Joseph. Because Mary calls herself a handmaid later on. And you see the least of Israel gives birth to what? The best of mankind, mm -hmm. which is Jesus. So in this, we kind of learn something about God. And there's a, there's a, a, a law of equivalence here. Okay, Is it God? God? God has a certain sense of balance in how he does things. Is that if he does one thing this way, then it's reversed in this way. You know? And so you'll see that these two stories are actually um, almost paralleled in a way. Because you're going to see Elizabeth, Zechariah, right? And then you're going to see, um, you'll see that um, Zechariah comes to have doubt. So we'll kind of read here um, verse sorry verse um, 10 verse 11 and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense and when Zacharias saw him he was troubled and fear fell upon him so you notice that he was troubled and then fear fell upon him and the angel said fear not Zacharias for thy prayer is heard thy wife so they were praying they were praying for a child because the angel says your prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Okay, which means, which we would learn to mean grace. John means grace. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Okay. Now, why do you think Zacharias was afraid? Okay, remember a prophet represents God to man, right? Right. But a priest represents who? So why would he be afraid of an angel coming talking to him? Because he's not a prophet. No, because he represents the people. Oh, and people are... Like and people are people. Yeah, people are people. So he's about to find out whether or not they're right with God. Oh. Okay, so he's afraid. He's terrified. Okay, so when the angel starts speaking these, these good things to him, he's like... This, this is weird because if, if he's coming what would he be speaking most likely judgment because guess what God hadn't spoken in 400 years so he's in shock he's in total like put yourself in this okay what did we do <laughs> are we going back into exile Oh, we know. Are we going deeper into exile, right? Because they're kind of already worse. Is it, is it going to be worse? What's going to happen, right? Are we doing bad? So, there's a possibility of judgment. But notice this. From the beginning of the things that are set in motion to set the stage for Jesus, okay? In the beginning, grace. Grace comes in. Represented by John's name. John's name is, set, is given divinely. It's given divinely. So the moment John comes on the scene, it's an it's an era. It's a new era of, of God. Gonna, God's not going to deal with their people on the on the basis of their sins anymore. That's part of the prophecy, right? So he comes in and he says, "Thou shalt have this is a guarantee. Have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. Rejoice means continually be in joy. Okay, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord." 
and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to their Lord God. So you notice the word turn here? This is where a lot of people um, steal the word like, they take the word repentance, because that's what John did. He came preaching repentance. And he came embracing, and this is where they say, oh, repentance means an about face, right? You know, a military about face. Or they'll say it means a turning away from sin and turning to God, right? But um, that can't be stolen from here. It shouldn't be. We should let the word repentance speak for itself. But here, he, what he's saying is, the children shall turn to their, to their God. Do, do you notice that right there? So they weren't. They weren't turned to their God. They weren't turned to their God. So what, what is John going to do? He's going to turn them to their God. Right? Would, would he need to come and turn them to, to their God if they weren't already turned to their God? No. So that's what he's coming to do, right? And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn. Okay, what is he going to turn? The hearts of the fathers to children. So he's not saying, I'm going to get the fathers and make them look at the children. Okay, because look at the next line. And the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people, pre a people prepared for the Lord. So what he's going to do is his mission is to what? get them to repent to change their thinking which would then in turn change their hearts from hearts of fathers to hearts of children see the heart of a father is I know what's best I know what's best so to see a child come into the world they're not going to receive him okay? what, do, what do they need to do they need to convert from thinking they're fathers thinking they're wise in their own conceits to becoming children and being ready to learn and to receive. Okay, that's the mission. Is God, when, when we have a relationship with God, that's God's desire for us, is to go from thinking we know it, to stop thinking we know it, and to go to a position of receiving as a child. That's why he says, unless you become like one of these, right, you can't enter the kingdom. Does a child, let's just put this way, does a child go to work? A child do certain things right they might do chores here and there but there's not a demand on them their basic position is to receive is to receive okay and that's the positioning that we're changing from is from being being having the demand right, right. of god upon what a father would be which is a man a grown man to work to to, to 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 do all of this and to fulfill god's holy requirements right to being able to receive and then we understand it to be receiving righteousness as a gift from the perspective of kind of being on the other side, right? So, then he says, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. So from being disobedient to then being wise, okay? To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zachariah said unto the angel, whereby shall I know this? Or oh, I want to point out this. In order to receive the Lord, a heart must be ready. Do you, do you see that in verse 17? So these are principles. These are principles that we can take. In order to receive the Lord, the heart must be ready. This verse 17. How does the heart get ready? We stop acting like fathers and we become children in front of the Lord. Right? 
We put away disobedience and we seek wisdom. It's 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 a I know better. I I know to I don't know. I got it till I don't got it. Right? The, even if you're smart to say that I'm foolish is to be wise. To declare yourself as a fool is to be wise. So um this is where Zachariah gets in trouble. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Where shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife well stricken in years. And the angel answered, said unto him, I am Gabriel, that stand in the presence of God. So here we learn a fact about Gabriel. Gabriel stands in the presence of God. If you want theology of angels, okay, the Bible isn't the place to really find it. Right. The Bible doesn't give credence to angels much. And here's one place that it does. It names, it names the name. And it says where it stands. So it stands in the presence of God. And I am sent to speak. So this angel's role is a speaking angel. And to show thee glad tidings. Okay, good news. And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the days that these things shall be performed. So imagine that. I'm here to show you glad tidings. But now you're going to be mute. Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. You're going to notice this. Mary almost has a similar response, but doesn't get muted. Okay. She doesn't get muted, but she responds exactly the same. And I think if you go to um, verse 34 really quick, just jump to verse 34. And then Mary said unto the angel, how shall this be, seeing I know, I know not a man. Okay. So, so. She's asking, we can go back to the other one, and I just want to point that out, is that she gives a similar excuse, right? She gives the impossibility. He, he lists the impossibility. Well, we're old, right? And she says, I'm, I'm, I have never been with a man. So they're, they're listing their impossibilities. So now, he's over here listing his impossibilities. He becomes mute because of what? Because he doubted, okay? You see it in his fear? It says he was troubled, and then fear fell upon him. Okay? That's one of the keywords. Fear fell upon him. And 21. And the people waited for Zechariah and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. And when he. <laughs> they were singing this thing, the same thing, right? And when he came out, he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. So, he was supposed to speak blessing if there was any he was supposed to speak the word of the lord if there was any whether whether it was judgment or whether it was it was peace or whether it was the good news but he couldn't okay here's here's another principle of the kingdom fear stops us from speaking the blessings of god fear stops our ability to talk faith because we embrace what could be which means we doubt that what God is on our side. And these people, you know, you can understand though, they're, they're, they're a little afraid. Of, they, they heard about what happened with Isaiah. They heard about what happened with Jeremiah. They heard about, you know, what happened in, in, in some of the other prophets, all the judgments of God. So 
He remained speechless. Verse 23. And it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. So he left. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked upon me to take away my reproach among men. So here's the thing. God cares about the details of our lives so much and I believe this now more than ever like especially after reading stuff like this is it Elizabeth was so conscious of the social atmosphere okay that she praised God that people would no longer reproach her because she couldn't bear children it's like it's like having a deficiency and being made fun of for it and she's giving praise to God. You know, people people these days would say, oh, it doesn't, doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people think about you. But as a human being, we have that tendency to value people. And when we value people or we put people in positions in our lives, whether mentally or, or actually or, or just so by perception, we have the ability to be affected by their words. And God knows that. And so for her, her perception of what God was doing was also to bless her where she would no longer have this reproach. She would no longer have this, this attached to her name that she couldn't have children, that she was Elizabeth, the one who couldn't have children, right? She's just an old woman now. So God provided to help deal with her social shame. It's, 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 a, it's a thing. It's weird that God would actually provide for her in a way. And it's not, God didn't provide for her so that, that her social shame would go away. He provided for her in the process it went away. So God wasn't providing that. God, God had a greater purpose. John was there for a greater purpose than dealing with her social shame. But look, it's, it's just crazy how like, you can see the humanity of Elizabeth, you know? Just coming out like a thank you, God, for like now I'm not going to be a shameful old woman anymore. Like, that's literally her conversation to right. herself. God doesn't rebuke her for that. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent forth from God into the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in, came in unto her and said, Hell, thou art highly favored, and the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. So notice, it doesn't, it doesn't say that fear fell upon her. She was troubled at what? His words of commendation commending her of, of saying you're highly favored you're blessed among women the Lord is with you and she's like what? right? because they would assume and this is just from a Jewish perspective they would assume that the Lord is only with you if you have monetary right? if you have uh, an abundance of, of children, uh, you know, like the Proverbs say, a, a quiver, you know, of, of children, you know, you, you have a bunch of arrows in your quiver. And so they had many ways of measuring, right? Maybe Joseph, 
Maybe Joseph would be blessed like this because he's of the house of David, but not Mary. Mary was already in her own way, in her mind. You can see that she's young, she's naive, she's, 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 she's just a, a, a kid, right? So of course she's gonna be focused on these kinds of things where she's just like, trouble that his saying, like, and she cast it in her mind, what manner of salutation this should be? Like, okay, are you just trying to build me up? Like, what, what, what's happening? It's almost like she didn't believe it, what he said about her, okay? So she didn't, it doesn't necessarily say she doubted what he was going to say or anything like that. But there isn't a clear distinction of why Zacharias was mute and not her. There isn't a, a super clear distinction except this. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. And whether you can talk fancy and say all the right words mm -hmm. and, and talk faith. I know many people that can talk faith, okay? But it doesn't mean that they actually have faith. It doesn't mean... Sometimes I, I feel that way about myself. I'm like, I mean, I know, the, I know the words of faith, but there's certain areas of my life where I still have struggle where I realize that I'm, I'm, in this area, I'm probably just still good at talking, you know? I need to exceed that, and I need to, 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 like we talked about Sunday, right? I need to increase my faith. Like, it's, it's, it's funny, right? Using the fullest things of the world of talking right. to talk more faith. And that's the beauty. Is it the same thing that makes, probably makes me a fool in my own life? Is the same thing that God could use right. to bless me? Is that we increase our faith by talking faith? So. We are at 31. 31. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and he and shall and shall call his name Jesus. Okay. He doesn't say Jesus Christ. I'm gonna let's deal with this now. Christ is not a name. Please, let's spread this good news. Christ is not a name, okay? It is a representation of something that the Jews were waiting for, okay? What is Christ? Well, Christ, we're going to learn what it is right now. He shall be great. He shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom shall there be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest sh shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, this is the famous verse, right? For with God, nothing shall be impossible. And here's the thing. This reference for impossibility is invoking on two miracles, okay? These are miracles. Why? One conceived... Out of What's a miracle? A miracle is something that is 
super natural. Oh, you're so wonderful. It's a bending of natural law. Okay. So these aren't like healings, and she wasn't healed, right? She was already past her age of being able to have children, so she wasn't healed. Of, like it's 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 God's acknowledging it as as how humans work now. Okay. Um, it's there's a lot of things that are implied with these sentences. Because if you put one verse, all scripture is given by inspiration. So every verse is inspired. Every word is inspired. Right. We cannot skip a beat on, on what's inspired. So when we read all these details, it's important that we take everything into consideration so we have a better application. I didn't mean to rhyme on that. It's just a <laughs> um, Notice here how it's talking about David. Remember we talked about Bible interprets Bible, right? Mm -hmm. So there's prophecies. There's prophecies. This man, Luke, is so educated, okay, on the, on, the, on the Jewish traditions in the prophecies that he's listing them out. He's, li he's literally listing them out. He's saying, the throne of three, Father David, reign over the house of Jacob. And then he goes on later to even speak about Abraham. We're not there yet, but we'll get there. So, um... Then you'll see here, um, I want to mention this as well, is it notice the progression, right? It's, it's funny how like, if we look at the story, we see the order of things. Remember it says the order of things. So miracles ascend, miracles ascend. It's, it's almost like they grow. It goes from a, a woman who's old in age who cannot bear to totally putting a, a baby without any kind of uh, sexual activity into a woman. You see, it's an ascending miracle. It means it's, it's, a high, it's a higher miracle. Right. Okay. But it's so, it's so beautiful in how it's done. So we understand that at this point, Mary had faith because there wasn't much, con there wasn't consequence given to her for, for um, being troubled. Right. Um, let's go. That, the age old statement. Now, I want, I want you guys to dissect this real quick. Verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Do you think this applies to everything? Yes, no. Well, that's, a, that's a, such a great answer. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Elaborate. <laughs> well, if I walk across the street and don't look, I'm going to get hit by a car. Right? Yeah. But that doesn't mean I can't walk across the street. So, the point is, how far is our faith willing to take us? Yeah. See, I, I, think, I think there's a, there's a key. And maybe, I look at things this way. It says, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Right. Right? So, if you're looking at yourself, when you decide to have faith, things become impossible. Right? Because you either you either believe God can do anything, but you believe you don't deserve it, or that He's not on your side. So in in that moment, even though you believe God, well, God, nothing is impossible, right? You have that moment of looking at yourself that disqualifies the faith that comes with this statement, because you're looking at self, you're you're analyzing self and saying with with within me, within me, because of me this yeah god can do anything but because of where i'm at with god it might not happen mary 
throws that out the window because she's a handmaid. She's she's a nobody. Understand? She's truly a nobody. So it, there was reason in her. That's why she's troubled at the same. I'm troubled at the same about what? That what he's promising? No, no, no. It's not the promise. It's that what he said about who she is. That she's highly favored. How am I highly favored? How? Right? And notice here that God calls her highly favored before she gets what makes her highly favored. But God before did the same thing for um, uh, what? Gideon. Before he said what Gideon was going to do, he said, my man of faith. Yeah. So he speaks, but this is, but this is, Gideon's a great example, but this is the example of who we are in Christ now, right? What Jesus is bringing to the table, right? Is it when we have Jesus, and this is kind of like when we have the Holy Spirit, this is another like kind of maybe type and shadow thing, is we're highly favored whether we see it or not. But will you realize it? Right? And then you see her rejoicing after the fact. Her praise to God. Right? Guess what? She still hadn't had the baby yet. She still can't see if it's true. Right? But her praise for who he said she was at the end of when he, after he leaves, her praise demonstrates a faith that she already had in her heart. This is why she's not muted. Can I say why I said no to that? Go ahead. With the foregone, nothing shall be impossible. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely nothing that even do anything that he wants. But some people can twist that verse to believing that they're going to get what they want, but it's out of his will. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to get with this girl, and with God, nothing's impossible. So I'm going to get with this girl. And he, God's going to make a way, but it's completely like. But that's not God. Yeah. But, but see, I'm just saying, like, them using the verse yeah. to go their way. Out of context, that's exactly yeah. what you're saying. So, well, yeah. yeah. Well, you can use it that way. But... Mm. That's why I said no. It's not that it's God that He can't do something. But God won't go against Himself. When it's all on God, yes. Right? This is the most powerful statement of faith you can have if you are putting it all on God. Because God, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Yes. Right? It's all on God. Yes. It's not, it has nothing to do with me. I'm having faith because God, God can do anything. He, he is, he has divine providence over everything, right? And since he has divine providence over everything, he can do anything. Regardless of me, without me, right? Even for me, without me being in the right place. It's that divine providence that really starts to begin to breed faith in us. Because anytime you look at self, faith diminishes. You disqualify. You look at yourself, you begin to disqualify yourself from anything that you would ask of God. Um... And it's funny how we pre-qualify ourselves for his judgment, right? Because we know our nature. Like, you know how people walk into church, and I've, I've used this in a different way before, but they're like, oh, if I walk into a church today, lightning's going to strike me. They pre-qualify themselves for God's judgment. Because they know what they know about themselves, right? So, um, verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste, 
into a city of, Ju- of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary and the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I mean, she understands. Look, look, look how far, like the priesthood is, is acknowledging, the priesthood is acknowledging the Lord right now, okay? As a, before it's even born. What, what happens 30, 30 years later? The same priesthood is denying him, okay? 30 years later. So there, there, there's not a distance, so much distance in time between how they're receiving him, Elizabeth, right? They, they can, John is a priest, so he's the son of a priest. And they murder him. And they behead him. If you're understanding like those, those times, like that's like, you know what I mean? That's some savage stuff. But it was probably because of his name that they didn't connect the dots. They might have, but his name definitely separated him from his lineage. John. So, we'll keep, we'll keep going. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Verse 44, sorry. For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy, and blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told to her from the Lord. God does what he says he's going to do. This yeah. is where we can make the song. God will do what you know, says he will do. And Mary said, my soul does magnify the Lord. So this is what Mary's saying. My soul does magnify the Lord. Look at her heart. Look at the posture of, of her heart, how it's, set, how it's settled. Is that my soul does magnify the Lord. It makes the Lord big. And my spirit has rejoiced. It's again in joy in God, my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. Okay. Remember, the lowliest ends up giving birth to the greatest. Remember, we talked about the book of Luke is about man, about the humanity of Jesus. Okay. This is really solidifying. This is going to solidify. Who, who's writing this again? Luke, right? He's a doctor. Guess what his job is? is to find out what's wrong with you. What a perfect person, okay, to write a detailed description about the Lord. If we put a doctor's job in a nutshell, right, they they diagnose you, they look at you, they inspect you, right? right? This man, Luke, that's his job, to to study. And if anyone's going to find fault with Jesus, it's going to be this Greek unbiased, un, unrelated to the Jew, to Jewish culture, right? He's going to find fault. But he finds no fault. And as he's recording and writing this, and he's picking up all these details, you know, look, look, it's like the wisdom of God to, to pick the most um, um, critical of men, right? To analyze Jesus and to, for him to still find no fault. So much so that he went testimony after testimony after testimony, confirming and, and finding a the, the, the common denominators of what these these uh, 
miracles were and his testimonies were, right, and all the stories and the parables. So it says, For he hath regarded the low state of his handmaid, shall call all nations, all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and the and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm, he hath scattered the proud. In the imagination of their hearts, he has put down the mighty from their seats. He has exalted them of low degree. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. He even uses the word seed here. He doesn't use seeds. Okay? He doesn't create a, a plural. He creates the same theology that allows us to understand that the seed is a reference to one seed, as, as the Apostle Paul said, the Messiah. Remember, Luke spent time with Paul. So he's, he's acknowledging here again Abraham. Bible interprets Bible, right? He's saying that this Jesus is the seed of Abraham. Not as many, as the book of Galatians says. Seeds meaning not as many, but as the one seed, and that seed being Christ. So he says it here. And he speak to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Now Elizabeth full, Elizabeth full time came that she should be delivered. And she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed great mercy upon her. And they rejoiced with her. Another principle. Our miracles that we receive should send rejoicing to others. Right? That's the, the will of God is that it's passed on. And another note here, 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 go back a little bit, is that God's will was for John to prepare the way for Jesus, right? Amen? Yes. Now, but look at all the good things that happened to the people that received the blessing of John, okay? And the blessing of Jesus, right? They're speaking nothing but joy, peace, Happiness, excitement, right? Um, her neighbors even are rejoicing with her. The gladness is spreading, right? About how blessed they are. So what I'm saying is God can help us in our like side situations, but he always has a main purpose that's way bigger than what we imagine for what he's doing in our lives. What he's doing in our lives is what he's doing for his reason and for his purpose, and it's much greater than we can understand. But there will be blessings that come from what he's doing, right? Those things we can't understand, right? They relate with us. They speak to us. They, they help us to acknowledge that he cares about our, our, how we feel, right? Outcasted, alone. I'm a handmaid. I'm no one, right? And then God says you're highly favored. You're highly favored. And most often you see God do one thing. Is that God speaks the opposite of what you are. She wasn't highly favored. Right? Gideon. He was he was a very fearful man actually. Right? If you if you if you look at the world and you see all the evil, you can see the devil's hand right in the world if you just look around long enough. Okay? What are, what are the, what are the reverses of that? What's the opposite of those things that, that's happening? You see plagues and diseases that no one's ever heard of, right? Mm -hmm. So what, what, are we, what can we expect from God? Greater miracles. Yes. Why did Jesus say there'll be greater miracles? Because there's going to be greater diseases. 
Yeah. Right? You see some of the bad things, but just know that there's a there's a higher anointing, a higher calling. Herod is killing babies. Oh, it just so happens that there's a baby that's going to save the entire universe, or the, the known universe, right? You, you see God's answer, right? In, in the cursing, God presents an answer that's anti what's going on in the world. You see Moses, right? They're killing babies, and then there's a deliverance of Moses. This special baby is born. And so God is always in the works, whether we can see it or not, when no matter how bad it gets, he's, he's already been laying the foundation to the provision that you're going to need to make it through. But will we trust that? Will we trust in our God and believe that he's on our side and that he's been on our side? Not that he's just on your side today. He's been on your side. So that all these things that have been happening to us, right, are leading us to this, this greater purpose. And if you, if you do all the math and you look at your situation, it might look ugly in some places, right? Whether it's money, whether it's personally, whether it's relationships, there's always something, always something. But know this, there's a deliverance coming. There's a hope coming. There's, a, there's something around the corner. So, um, and Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Now Elizabeth's full-time came that she should be delivered and she brought forth a son. They celebrated her, um, 59, and it came to pass it on the eighth day. They came to circumcise the child, and they called him, uh, and, it, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. And his mother answered and said, "No, not so, but he shall be called John." Zacharias has been muted the whole time. And they said unto her, "There is none of thy kindred that is called by this name." Okay. And they made signs to his father how he would have called him. And he, and he asked for a writing table and wrote saying, his name is John. And they all marveled. Is, how are they on the same page, right? It's just weird. But you know, you, you guys saw that, right? How his name was not anything what their kindred were called. And his mouth was opened immediately and his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. He spake and praised God. So when your heart has faith, okay, the mouth will speak following. The mouth will speak following. Faith doesn't happen so much in your words first. There's a moment. There's a moment. There's a moment where you're you're living and you come to conclusions about things. And one of my defining moments was that I've been in real bad situations, and one of my defining moments when I was younger was when our family, like, was on a, on a, on a I guess, in game terms, it's called a green light, or they want to, like, kill your family because of my dad and because of bad decisions he made, and, um, you know, I went into prayer, and, and it wasn't so much that I had faith, okay, God's going to deliver us, it was more like my only option. If... God doesn't make a way then there will be no way and I started seeing faith a little more like that and it kind of put me in a corner where I was like and it's kind of the same thing as having no confidence in the flesh which is weird because it's like unless you do it God I don't want it to happen unless or unless you do it God it won't happen it puts all the pressure on God 
it puts all the pressure, putting all the pressure on God. Because to God, it's not pressure. He carries, the Bible says, is, is the, the, the world hangs, you know? On what? On what? How much does the world weigh? How much does the earth weigh? And it hangs, right? It hangs on something, it's just not visible. How it just sits there. If it's any more to the left, if it's any more to the right, we're burning or we're freezing, you know, scientifically speaking. Right. You know, so to him, it's not a pressure to, to deliver us. It's not a pressure to him. It's to, to even, it's almost like to even say, like, to even say as a, as a believer, oh, there's risk in that. To even use the word risk in relation to your situations is almost like a, a, an, uh, an acceptance of I'm not having faith right now. I, I, the other day I used it during Sunday and I, and I got convicted me about it. I felt, I felt like the Lord talked to me and deal with me about it. Cause I was like, there's not really a risk because we have you. Why did I say that? Because part of me, part of my own belief system still is in darkness, you know? And this is, this is called being human. Hi, nice to meet you. Right? <laughs> it's, it's still in darkness and it still sits there. We're like, well, well, it seems like a risk to me, right? But when God dealt with me on that, I was like, you're right, God. And um, jump to verse 74 real quick. It said that he would grant unto us that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear. He would grant unto us a deliverance from the hand of our enemies so that we could serve him without fear. There's, there's no risk. Because if he delivers us, we can serve him without fear. He's on our side. He's, he's on our side. It's like he's on our side. So let's talk a little more about Jesus and we'll wrap up right now. Um, verse 64, uh, verse 65. And the fear came on all that dwelt around about them. And all these things were noised abroad throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all they that heard them laid, up, laid them up, up in their hearts, saying, What manner of child shall this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, So he's prophesying now. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he had visited and redeemed his people. Okay. He's speaking in a past, like in a past tense manner. He has redeemed his people. Even though... The redemption hasn't happened. Has it happened? No. But look how look how prophesying speaks. This is like closer to New Testament prophesying than anything. Because it speaks of already having what you don't have. He hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets. And this is where I like another one of those like type and child things is Jesus is the horn. He he is the noise. He is the noise. Yeah. There's no reason for having glowing horns like some people blowing. So I don't have to bring a horn to the No, you uh, do not. Light bulb. No. You should see people in a horn. Well, I, I've seen them. <laughs> oh, I've seen them. And he spake by the mouth of his, of his holy prophets, which had been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. We are going to be saved through salvation from our enemies. Okay. 
from the hands, from the physical threats of all that hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Okay. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham, which is that we, that he would grant unto us, that we being delivered out of the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear, 